Hey listeners, join me for Inside Wealth Sacks, September 27th to 29th at the Diplomat Beach Resort in Hollywood, Florida. Brought to you by wealthmanagement.com, Inside Wealth Sack is the number one event for future thinking advisors, investors, and tech providers. Seriously, you won't believe the list of speakers and the agenda. You can check it out for yourself at Twitter at WealthStackConf, where you'll get links to register and notifications for everything. I'll see you there. Hi, this is Tina Powell, host of In The Suite, where I sit down with top women leaders and some of the biggest names in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Together, we'll discover some of their best secrets and top strategies to grow great business, build a strong brand, and lead teams in the 21st century. I hope you'll enjoy hearing their amazing personal stories of triumph, trepidation, and transformation in hopes of becoming better leaders ourselves. The time for you to lead is now, and you're in the suite. Meet Liz Fritz, Chief Commercial Officer and Co-Founder of F2 Strategy, a leading boutique management consulting firm based in Silicon Valley, helping complex REA, wealth, and multifamily office firms improve their technical capabilities across the entire client and advisor experience. Liz co-founded F2 Strategy in 2017 with her husband, Doug, the company's CEO. Through F2 Strategy, this innovative husband and wife team bring their strengths and deep technological and marketing experience together to bridge the gap between emerging client needs and the lack of digital wealth experience. In today's podcast, Liz takes us through her incredible journey from attending USC Davis and studying to be an equine veterinarian to becoming head of wealth management communications at the Bank of West BNB Paribas, one of the top 10 wealth managers worldwide, to now forming her own company after seeing how many top wealth management firms were ill-equipped to keep pace with technology and innovation. We also focus on what Liz affectionately calls fluid expectations, the idea that competitive threats come from beyond the wealth management industry and are shaped by brands delivering an exceptional and innovative client experience. And Liz should know she's a tenured marketing executive for the high net worth and ultra high net worth segments, having worked for Bank of West, BNB Paribas, Wells Fargo, and U.S. Bank. She's also a Forbes Communication and Marketing Council member and a graduate of University of California, Davis. In fact, one of the many gifts you'll discover about Liz Fritz in this episode is her passion for women in wealth tech and creating cultures at work that value space, capacity, and tolerance. She's an active volunteer for over 10 years at the Costello School, serving on the Executive Alumni Board an all-girls middle and high school based in Palo Alto that Liz attended herself with a mission to women leading and women learning. Through her series Women in Wealth Tech and her volunteer work at the Costello School, Liz reflects the passion, true dedication, and teamwork that's needed in the suite. Wow, Liz Fritz, take a seat in the suite. It is so (laughs) great to see you here. I love it. Every time you could see, I I just light up every time Fridays, recording sessions and seeing your face and the surfboard in the background. (laughs) This is classic. How are you, Liz? I'm doing great. Oh my gosh, Tina. It's so I could. As always, I love chatting with you. I could chat. It's no better way to spend a Friday after a long, busy week. So it's so great to be here. Ah, it's why, like, it is seriously why normally nine times out of the 10, these recordings are on a Friday because we've gone through such a, such a busy week and Fridays you can kind of just unwind. So it's really great. It's really, it really is fun to see the surfboard. You're of course, I'm on Eastern time and you're on Pacific time. You're a lot closer to the ocean than I am though, Liz. I am. Yeah. We're based, uh, we're in Silicon Valley and we're right by the ocean. So we're two blocks from the ocean. Santa Cruz, California. It's pretty awesome. Wow. Do you also surf? I do. Yes. 
<laughs> I remember I'm not going- good though. I, I well, I, I'm not a surfer. I, I enjoy being out on the water on my board paddling around, but oh. I mostly surf with our little six and eight year olds. So I stick oh. with the small waves. <laughs> I love that. So here was my aha moment at a TD Ameritrade conference a year or two ago in Dana Point, California. There were some advisors there and they had their, their kids there on the beach and the whole thing. And then they were talking about how surfing lessons were a part of their like middle school and high school experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We like, have a surf team at our school. <laughs> and then, I mean, we had a ski team, but this was <laughs> pretty cool too. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I just think that's the greatest thing. It's, it's, it's really, it's a lot of fun. Never learn to surf. I've got the horses in the background, which everybody can see there. Well, I'm so happy to see you today. It's interesting this week. And again, I say it all the time here in the suite. We put a date together on the calendar and that date was picked months and months ago. And months. it just so happened that this week I helped to judge the first inaugural advisor podcast awards. And who is there? <laughs> but Doug Fritz, right? F2 Strategy. Guys, can do the math. F two strategy. You've got Liz Fritz here, and you've got Doug Fritz. So do the math here. You're a finalist for Wealth Tech Gets Vocal Man in the Van. So after all, Liz, you are the woman behind the man in the van. Let's get right into it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the woman behind the man <laughs> in the van. And if he was here, he would be the first one to admit that as well. You and Doug founded F2 Strategy five years ago. Doug is the CEO. You are chief commercial officer and you oversee all commercial activities, including brand strategy, digital marketing, advertising, social media, content, media presence. You and your husband are a Silicon Valley-based husband and wife team running a wealth management technology firm that is growing by leaps and bounds. So I wanted to start off the podcast giving our our listeners who F2 Strategy is. Of course. So yes, we're based in Silicon Valley. It's our five-year anniversary, which mind-boggling that things have gone so fast and the acceleration and success that we've we've experienced was so humbling. We have a video out on our social channels actually of just how appreciative and honored we are to work with some of the most incredible clients and friends in the space. So yeah, we uh, we cheersed ourselves on, on our five-year anniversary and here we are. So F2 Strategy. So we're a wealth tech consulting firm. We're based here in Silicon Valley, California. I'm native. Doug is from outside Chicago, but I've been here the whole time. In a nutshell, we, we service medium-sized REA wealth and family office firms. And we, we help them improve their technical capabilities across advisor experiences and also client experiences. So we're passionate. Doug is former CTO at First Republic. I was at marketing and communications for BNP Paribas, Wells Fargo. So we, this, this, we, are, we created a firm which we wish we had. We feel like our clients are our peers and our friends. And so we, we literally saw we find that there, there's hundreds of wealth firms that are in need of tech, tech support. And growing the pandemic in the last year where we're all stuck at home, what, what our industry was a little bit behind before, all of a sudden innovation just accelerated. The need for digital clients couldn't even come in, especially our elder, older clients and more high-risk clients. And so we found this need that these firms literally needed the help the help was not an option, that the acceleration was not an option, and there are just not enough resources to go around in the space. And so since innovation isn't slowing down, it's accelerating. I think you would agree with that. We saw that these firms are starting to lose clients and advisors to firms that are more digitally forward-facing, investing in their digital capabilities, and really empowering the advisors to be efficient and to deliver we call it the fluid expectations. And I think it it may be Accenture report years ago, but fluid expectations, you know, our competitors are no longer each other or the wealth firms is no longer each other. It's the fangs, it's Amazon, it's whatever is on your mobile device. Those are what your clients are expecting. And so we help these firms plan and then we provide the top tier talent to execute on that plan. And you're doing something really exciting in the space and the way that you're servicing clients. 
through my purview, I'm able to see it. Of course, your husband's a judge, actually in a few awards when I think technology is synonymous with F2 strategy and he's a judge on the Wealth Management Industry Awards. But the way that you're providing your technical competencies and know-how in the business and what a cool thing, Liz, the fact that F2 strategy was around during the most pivotal technology event of our time, I, I, I can only imagine what it must have been like during that pandemic. So how are you working with clients exactly? No, that's, that's a great question. So we do it in different ways. So we have, exact, we have our client book of business and, and we work with wealth firms, obviously, to help them improve their, their digital strategy and roadmaps and then implement on that. We also run a proprietary wealth tech forum, which is a VIP exclusive kind of like, I think Doug refers it to as like the fight club or whatever, where we bring many, I think we've got over 65 or 70 active members right now together to talk about, and these are the top decision, tech decision makers, C-level and above in the industry to talk about challenges. And so we were, one of the, the biggest innovation events was that we had these gatherings when the pandemic hit, we, we we founded this group in 2019. And when the pandemic hit, we came together to talk about how are we going to support each other and get through this How wow. from a technology perspective. And so we have some really incredible benchmarking that we're sharing with them a year later, June of, you know, or, or April of, of the following year, equipping them in how to deal with this new change. So that's what we're doing and, and really getting on the ground, in the trenches experience of, these are not our clients, these are our peers and our friends and our colleagues and leaders that we respect in the space of, of what is really going on in the ground and using that to empower our clients. So using that intel, we you know it's obviously anonymous, it's a closed door thing, but that we are passionate about being evidence-based. And so when we work with our clients, we bring that knowledge to them and we get are honored to work with some of the most excited humbled and future-facing clients in the space. The fact that you have direct access and that you're working with these leading chief technology officers, I'm sure they're CEOs. I want to talk a little bit about your own title, chief commercial officers of what's working right now. That I find really fascinating because just as the start of the pandemic, when you felt like you were in this middle part, right now we acknowledge that this is getting back to work now, like all of a sudden conferences and we're having to go back to the lives that we left, but in a different way. So what are you hearing on the street as someone that you have the, the attention of, of the room? What are you hearing? So I, I, when you, when you ask that question, I think it'd be really um, insightful to share kind of two sides of a coin we work with and are very well connected with our clients on the wealth side and the RA side. And so there's some trends that we're seeing there. And these trends are based on, you know, evidential research. And there's also some, we work very closely, obviously, with wealth tech firms. So fintech firms. And I thought it'd be kind of interesting to share as I'm thinking here, a few trends we're seeing and where we bridge that gap to bring them together. So for the wealth firms, they, you know what, I'm going to actually start with the wealth tech firms, because I think it kind of sets a foundation for the pain points or the trends that we're seeing. So wealth tech firms, I think there's two major, two major trends. One is that they're trying to streamline the digital experience for Mm -hmm. advisors and clients. So there's this whole like going paperless. How do you make people more efficient? How do you align investor, you know, end investor clients expectations with that fluid expectation, right? So the fintech firms are really on the pulse of, and in here in Silicon Valley, really on the pulse of the, ex- the expectations of those things. So it's a Facebook, Amazon, was it Netflix and Google, or I, I don't know, I should be more, I'm more, I should be more tech savvy, but that, that, so the tech firms are trying to create efficiencies. And as you can imagine, then the wealth firms are three trends, I would say are they are building and owning their own digital experiences. So one of the things that we do with our clients first off the bat is a digital readiness assessment. And this is almost like a, almost like a personality. Yeah. The DRA, the DRA, the digital readiness assessment. And it's almost a personality test format and you get a, a score, but we really dive into who do you want to be? 
where do you want to go? Client and advisor personas and really setting the stage of like, who are you as a firm and where, who do you want to be? So we're setting and, and then empower them to own that experience and build it. I feel like the second trend, I want to make sure I hit all of them that I'm thinking of is, oh, data. Data is the big one. Owning and structuring and organizing your data. That's a huge trend because you can have the coolest technology in the box, out of the box, but if you don't have good data, so we help with a lot of a lot of clients sort that out before you can even use cool technology. And then lastly, honestly, um, Tina, the trend that we're seeing with successful firms are the ones that are willing to invest in a plan and then invest in executing on that plan for their advisors. We're seeing the same thing in marketing, actually, you know, investing I know. In plan and then executing. <laughs> it's like plans are great. Views are great. Visions are great. But unless somebody's doing the execution on that plan, how can you be successful if it's just an idea and yep. and you're not breaking things as you're doing it? Because, you know, and I know in order for these things to work, things change, things have to break, some things work, some things work better than others yep. and figuring all that out. How many firms are actually really crushing it and and doing really well in this? Where where are they making the most improvements as far as determining their own or getting better at their digital readiness? The ones that are taking the time to understand who they are and who their clients are. And as a marketer, I mean, I know you and I have probably done very many similar exercises in in client marketing projects, right? Where where it's hard to know what you want to build if you don't know who you're building it for. Absolutely. And so that's a really powerful. So the firms that have a clear, it's almost like therapy session on who they want to be as a firm, even at a very high level, who they are. And sometimes we see conflicting ideas because this exercise has never been done. So I feel like the firms that are really clear on their self and who they're serving and where they want to go are the ones that have this most solid foundation mm-hmm. for successful Yeah, that clarity is so, so important. We have 25 questions that we ask. It's in the form of a a Google form. And what becomes really crystal clear is when you start to aggregate that data and you start to look at it and see similar things, it is aligning your strategy, whether or not it's technology or marketing to that ideal client profile, to being Mm -hmm. very specific of who you're trying to serve and what problem of that are, uh, what problem are you trying to solve for? Because, you know, different groups have that. Is that something that I have to be a client of F2 strategy to take? Can anybody take it? The right digital- now, the, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's almost like initial conversation with F2. So it's something that you can come in and obviously we only work with clients that need to work with F2. So if you come in and you've got this, you go through this exercise and there's some solutions that are potentially different or you're in a place where you don't need much or you just a couple areas you want to dive into, of course, it can be more of like a uh, one and done. A lot of times what we see is that it becomes a clear map for the team to, to be able to prioritize and execute on areas that they think they need within their digital expectations and their digital experience. So it's almost like, a, you know, you can figure out what, what number you are. And it's not so much of like, you're a good or a bad number. The numbers are, are different types of of areas of expertise, uh, you can take it and, and walk away. A lot of times our individuals that take that become clients because of the way that we can put top talent on those needs, those priorities. We're starting to even see through the lens of firms that uh, well tech and fintech the way that even org charts and titles, I feel that things are changing and you hold the title of a chief commercial officer. And I have to admit, I did a little bit of of research and I wanted (laughs) you to help us to understand the difference between a chief commercial officer, a chief revenue officer and a chief marketing officer, especially for women right now. Why the chief commercial officer over other titles? That's a, that's a great question. And I, I know there's been a lot of discussion about this in this space. And I think particularly for your listeners who are marketing focused, I think this is a really important shift that we're seeing not only in the financial services space, but across other industries. I have peers and friends across tech, healthcare. Um, and the exciting thing as a marketer and, and my background is I spent quite a bit of time 
as a relationship manager in sales. So I have a particular passion around what the advisor does. And mm. traditionally, I I have found in my personal experience, there tends to be a bridge fairly, I wouldn't say no, actually not even a bridge. There tends to be a divide between marketing and sales. And so the chief which is more of kind of an old school term, like from the research, I'm part of the Forbes Communications and Marketing Council. So it's kind of chief marketing officer is a bit antiquated these days. And the reason why, and what makes me so excited is that the chief commercial officer and the chief revenue officer actually find those fairly interchangeable. Chief revenue officer, I feel is more trending in the tech space where it's more revenue focused, whereas especially in wealth management, we're not so focused on revenue, we're focused on relationships. And so, mm-hmm. but the, the idea is the same. And so it's the role of chief commercial officer or chief revenue officer portrays like the passion about the intersectionality of sales and marketing. That's that's kind of a nice way. So chief marketing officer in, in my mind is the traditional tear sheets, collateral, web design, content, where commercial officers and revenue officers are really driving all commercial activities or all revenue generating activities. And that includes sales, that includes business development, that includes marketing, that includes social. And so it's more of this overlapping blend and critical in my eyes role because everything marketing does is to support the advisor. And I'm so pa- I'm so happy to see that happening because that's where the genesis of Liz has kind of become. I, I found myself coming from marketing my first role was in wealth management marketing. And then I moved over to sales and I was like, wow, I feel passionate about both. How do I bring you together? And now that's the trend that I'm seeing. It's so exciting. I'm fascinated by the evolution of the CMO. And and again, I acknowledge some cognitive bias around marketing. Where have we gone wrong in terms of marketers not touching sales enough. So I guess my direct question is this. I'm a, let's do a hypothetical example here, right? Okay. I'm a chief marketing officer right now. And I just heard Liz Fritz on this amazing <laughs> podcast explain her role as chief commercial officer. And I say to myself, wow, you know, I really would like to do as chief marketing officer, I would like to start to bridge, bridge that gap. Where do chief marketing officers now need to clearly we need to do a better job reaching and touching sales and bringing that sales intel into our roles do you have any i don't know suggestions or insights to how anyone listening right now particularly in a marketing role or even the reverse even the reciprocal the sales role saying hey we need to get marketing a little bit more involved yep yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, there is there are some organizations that we see, uh, particularly around chief revenue and commercial officers, that the role oversees sales teams and marketing. So there's almost obviously at the um, in intersection there. For those that are in more traditional organizations where marketing is separate from sales, there just needs to be. Um, I encourage everyone to ask questions and to proactively build the sales team into your process. So I have a, a funny a very kind of silly example, but when you're in the like ultra high net worth space and you're creating marketing collateral and you create a tear sheet in font 14 and you have an advisor that says like, well, my clients maybe are on the older side and I need it in font 22. And you say, well, no, that's, we're not going to do that. Obviously that's not how it happens, but that's a, a really a nice way to showcase that as you build your strategy weave sales goals into that, weave the advisor experience into that. Because at the end of the day, the client experience, which the advisor is passionate about, is also the experience that marketing is passionate about. So making sure you're locked at the hip, making sure that you understand who the firm wants to be, what how the advisors are delivering and checking in and saying, how can we be better? How can we measure this to make sure we're hitting the things that are important to you? So it's whether you're connected with an organization under an organizational structure or not, it's a it's showing the advisor showing the marketing team and the marketing team showing the advisor's team that they care what the other one is doing and that there's a process, a business process in place to both collect feedback priorities, business goals, and also measurable, tangible reports or metrics that you both agree on. A lot of times those metrics are separate. You know, I could get 10,000 engagements on a press release, but like, what does that do 
for the advisor. And a lot of time that chief commercial officer, chief revenue officer is not only involved in the top of the sales funnel, they're part of the nurture. And that is where your partner, I mean, you have to be locked at the hip of the nurture cycle of a client journey, right? That's where they should be interconnected completely locked at the hip. So I encourage everybody, whether you're on the advisor side or the marketing side to look at, look at your organization and say, are there opportunities for us to support each other more, to have some conversations, to check in on metrics and what's available today and how can we evolve that? And it's an ongoing discussion. And we could even weave technology into those discussions. Even one of our clients has a, as a lot of firms do right now, has a Slack channel. And that Slack channel is delineated by marketing, by product, by different lines of the business. So even something simple as marketing being invited on a Slack channel to really understand what sales is going through. I think, you know, all of these collaboration tools, um, Slack, Basecamp, Asana, now we have a lens to other areas of the business where I feel that even before the pandemic and years before, we haven't always had that type of visibility and transparency in our organizations. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And, you know, COVID makes some of this challenging. And I, I'm hopeful that we're all returning to the, the office in some capacity in the, you know, the coming months. I also encourage, you know, it, when when possible, shadowing each other. Understand, you know, I, I had the, the luxury of being both on the advisor side and the marketing side. And I had that passion. But a lot of times there's not an understanding. There's not the same language. You know, you don't understand what it's like to take a call from a client expecting meeting something. And so, having a curiosity about what the other group's goals are and challenges are and pain points are is really is is great. And that can be built into any sort of internal process that you have within the firm. You had mentioned one of the key trends that you were seeing and that is data and the use of data. And even for marketing to say, hey, how is that data being used, whether or not we're looking at Google Analytics through websites and journey mapping there, or even social media, what are we learning from that data? What decisions are we doing from that data? We looked at a client the other day and we said, hey, you know, our in- engagement is up, but our impressions are down. And, you know, it's it's just different ways to view it. So I'm just, I'm a big fan of what you're saying. I can talk to you about the marketing side all the time. And I know people are like, wait, if we want to get into Liz's backstory. So we're going to get into <laughs> the backstory. You have worked for some really impressive brands in this space. So you've worked at Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, Capco, Bank of the West, BNB Paribas. And so what factors led you into a career of financial services? So this is part of the story that usually people remember about me. I sort of fell into financial services. So I think, you know, Tina, we're both uh, horse, horse women at heart. I went to UC Davis and studied to be an equine veterinarian. So I was cowboy boots, jeans all day, every day, working at the UC Davis Veterinary Hospital, Found out pretty quickly as I was doing that, that while I love working with animals, it was a challenging role for me. It was a hard job. It was, you saw a lot of things that, that, you know, I realized I love the animals. I don't necessarily love the science of, of the animals. And so at gosh, 2024, I just applied to every job in San Francisco, because what do you do? You move to the city with your girlfriends. And um, I actually landed a job with uh, being the executive assistant for the head of wealth management marketing at bank, at Wells Fargo private bank and family office at the time. So that's, that is my like funny whoops. And I just fell in love. I, I double majored with business. I love writing and design. I love people. And I had some of the best mentors and I've been in the, in the space ever since. And I just have been so passionate about, I truly feel that being in the wealth management industry is noble work. I feel mm-hmm. like you get to empower people of wealth, people with money, not only financial literacy, but empower them to do great things in the world. And so I just fell in love with the the industry. Starting in marketing, I was able to touch on all the different business lines within wealth management and the family office space, worked in that space, and then was an advisor. And then was like, wow, I love the combination of both. What do I do? And so I kind of evolved from there and found this, this beautiful niche of 
being passionate about the client experience and being passionate about the business, but also being able to tell the stories and to write and design and create. And it's just been this, this wonderful evolution from there. We're at such an exciting time for wealth management and the client experience. Oh, it's just, it, it just lights us up every single day. I do like the way that you've characterized the profession and that is, it is noble. And for those of us who came here as a second career, Liz, or only maybe started working with advisors and in wealth management and really understanding what advisors did through the lens of marketing or client service or through an advisor, what they do is so important to help people get through the life events and what F2 strategy is doing, even just to lay out the technology framework and to build that tech stack for an advisor means that they can now service more people effectively. They could free up their time so that they could have those conversations. I always said that there was a reason that there was a, a box of tissues in the conference room. It's yeah. not just about money. No, and technology empowers, if you, we speak with a lot of advisors and tech, what they do best, what they love to do is work with their, is to be with their clients, to be part of their families, to be peers, to be friends. And so what technology does is it empowers them. It takes the busy work. It takes the, the operations. It takes the onboarding off the table for them so that they have more time to do what they are passionate about. And that is to be there with their clients doing important life events, not back in the office, updating their Excel spreadsheet. Hey listeners, you can now text us to join our text-based community in the suite at 201-581-3983. Just text the word join to join our community in the suite. After you do that, we'll be lifting you up, inspiring you and supercharging your life and career with awesome quotes, resources, and videos we learned from our great guests. It couldn't be any easier. Just text 201-581-3983 to join. So we're talking about it through the lens of the advisor, how technology is enabling them to spend a little bit more time. But Liz, you yourself are a busy, busy person. So you have two kids, your your mom to two awesome boys, and you wrote a fantastic article. I, I want to talk about a couple of things. Number one, I want to talk about what it's like to be a leading wealth tech entrepreneur, because that's how I see you, a leading wealth tech entrepreneur. And then also too, What's the husband and, and wife team look like? How do you get that support at, at home? You wrote an article that talked about that firms need to now up their games in terms of caregiving, in terms of support. How do you get that support at F2? What does that look like? Yep. The, the article that I wrote, it's on our website and it really dives into I looked at myself and I looked at my past careers and my past businesses and I looked at the culture that I am incredibly passionate about creating at F2 around women in wealth tech, but also women in finance and really women working women. I mean, if you really want to bubble it up to the top and things that we need, and I boiled it down to three things. So it's space, capacity, and tolerance. And I really dove into those. I, I found that and in the article, I give actionable things like, gosh, if I can remember now with the pandemic, you know, this, I, I keep bringing up this term fluid, but we talk about work-life balance or work-life blend or work-life fluidity, but giving women the, the ability to own their own schedules. And in a way, F2 strategy set up this culture before the pandemic. So I left corporate world because I had, at that point, they were in preschool I needed to own my space. I was dropping them off at preschool at seven o'clock in the morning and I was rushing to get them at six o'clock and I wanted to be more present. And so I, I realized that I'm efficient, I'm effective, I can get it all done, but I need to own my own time and create an environment. So, you know, by founding a business with my husband who, who shares those values, we've then created a company that values those things. So creating for women and men, I, I think women and men, I think it needs to be a balance. How, how we do it in our partnership is we are co-founders, we are co-parents, we are partners, we share a calendar that's the holy grail of our family that's 
everything that we need to do. And some days it's 60-40 and it's Doug doing 60-40 and some days it's it's 60-40 and I'm doing 60-40 and we just have to, ha- every day is a fluid balance of making it work, but giving ourselves, both of us, the capacity, the tolerance and the space to, to do that. So if I need to be at, um, Doug is a coach for our son's t-ball team. And so he, you know, every Thursday he's at a game, it's like we balance so that, you know, at that point in time, you know, so it's a, it's that fluidity and being able to cre- extend that culture in, in my own little micro world to the, to the employees of F2 strategy, right? So I empower and cherish people with lives and passions and mm-hmm. kids and pets. I mean, my little kitty is right there. You know, we have it all. And COVID has really accelerated that in a way that people now had to do that. And I hope my pieces in, encourage and cherish and expand this ability of giving people ownership of their own time and being accountable for that and being able to create a blend that's unique to you. You know, Tina, your blend of work-life balance is different. I know your kids are older than mine. I have little guys, kindergarten, second grade. I mean, I'm on the on the go all the time. And that blend is different. And to say and respect and be like, Tina, I hear your blend, like great. And Liz, you hear you know my blend and to empower people. And I hope that's the direction that we go in. And one of the things that I'm so grateful about is that as you're delivering this message and I'm looking at this this Zoom and it's wonderful that we made a decision to do this video. Again, I, I credit Meg Carpenter for now putting <laughs> me the, on this kick of just like video, video, video. Yes, thank um, you, Meg. Another exactly. awesome woman. And here it is. You have the surfboard in the background and you have the surfboard and you have the kitty and you've got pictures of your kids and you've got artwork and you, know, you remind us of just even you just delivering that and having this backdrop is just genius. It just says it all. And I also love the way that in your article that you talked about, hey, sometimes the Fritz boys are on the Zoom call and hey, yeah, kids come on in and and say hi. They say hi. And then everybody goes about their day. So many times we used to have to try to, I don't know, kind of disguise that or put it away. I, it was funny. I was on a call yesterday and we needed to make a future zoom call and it was a he, and this was what was so cute. And then I said, well, you know, can we do this time over that time? And he's like, well, my kids are home from school that day and I'm sure that I can get them to be quiet, but I really like, it was just so cute. And I, I think that you remind us too, that too many times we've thought about this 50, 50 split. Mm-hmm. 50-50 split. We had Travis Parry in in the suite to talk about his book, Achieving Balance, is almost like a mistitle because the punchline is there is no balance. The punchline, it's priorities. Like mm-hmm. you just said, like some days it's 60-40. You know that Doug is coaching the team and Liz, you have your priorities. And that's what it's all about. Whether or not that you're in business with your husband or not, these are how two spouses and two entrepreneurs can come together and work effectively. It's a little bit of a trade-off. So that is brilliant. And I think too, having those discussions, um, I mean, even as uh, husband and wife co-founders, I think if we were just regular co-founders and all of our team members, we encourage and welcome that type of discussion. And so if setting those boundaries, allowing women and men and everyone on your in your company to empower them to be able to set their own boundaries. It's like, Tina, I know that you're at drop-off. I should be probably, you know, Liz is at drop-off between 8.15 and 8.30. Like, I'm not going to bug her there and have it be a safe place for me to say, I can't take that call because I'm doing drop-off versus in my past life, I've been directly told not to say things like that because people will think my priorities are wrong or whatnot. And so I think for me, a big passion of my own is to have us to keep and it probably translates as I'm thinking now, like it, it could get even bigger, but just giving employees and team members the space, capacity, and tolerance to be who they want to be and get their work done and do great work and do great things, but also have a life because we all want to work with humans. We don't want robots. And so let's empower and as a business, how can we support each other? And that, that to me, that's the beginning. I've got a series of pieces coming out over the months, coming months. 
And you're also too, you're also now talking about your work with women in, in well tech and it extends to the examples that you just provided, which are great. I really commend you as a business owner. I think that we don't talk enough about talent retention and how yep. new talent acquisition is such a huge cost to our business and our leadership. And just by creating a culture of acceptance around just people's values and what they want to do, how they want to live life and execute can increase the bottom line. In addition to not only the power of the example that you're setting, Liz, I would love for you to talk about this idea of women in wealth tech and tell us about this whole series yeah, so the series, interestingly, so I think it was April, I forget what month it was now, but it was uh, Women's History Month. And every marketing campaign manager is like, okay, it's Women's History Month. And to me, there's a lot of posts about women and highlighting women. And then I, I spent some time reflecting on what I had, what we had as F2 strategy as a, as a how could we serve? What did we have that we could serve women? more beyond just our own team members and beyond just our network of clients and close friends and peers. I'm really proud of the brand and the platform and the and everything that I've created. And we have this powerful platform that I was like, you know what, let's use this platform for good. I mean, uh, above and beyond. And, and so at the end of Women's History Month, I kicked it off instead of ending, which I saw most campaigns ended at the month. Our campaign started at the end of the month. And it's not our clients. It's not, it was like, we have a very powerful network of incredible people. I mean, we are honored to work with some of the top minds. We have our board of incredible leaders in the space. We have friends, we have clients, we have peers, we have everybody. So we have a platform to share and we have the ability to highlight some of the most amazing women in the space. And so I put those two together and once a month now going forward forever, we're, we're just going to highlight people that either we think are amazing that we know in our personal network or we, Tina, the amount of outreach of people nominating women, wealth tech leaders in their companies in there. And then on top of that, we had, I've been so pleased as their companies are echoing that. So three of them, their companies have created, they've taken our campaign and built it inside their firms. And to me, there's no nothing better. And so this is really just something that I find is so powerful. And the response has been amazing. So I'm like, wow, I get to recognize amazing women leveraging a platform that we have. And our goal, simple goal is just to get more women speakers on in conferences and women thought leaders out in front of the world. So these people are doing amazing things and you meeting our network should know about them because we do and they're awesome. Well, we want women in the suite here knowing about it. So what's the best way to follow what's going on in the series? Follow us on LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter. We do it the last Wednesday of every month. You know, I love an alliteration. We've got Wednesdays, Women Well Tech. <laughs> I know, you've got it all, all the Ws. That's brilliant. You've got it. And of course, in researching too and, and seeing, I, I saw the last Min Zhang who's a a CFA. Exactly. I known Min for years and she is a rock star. And the biggest takeaway for me just now, and I wanted to give you this reaction. I wanted to go like this. Yay. (laughs) I wanted to put some reactions here and just applaud you for this whole series. And what an awesome, uh, you know, I'll put the heart there. How great that you were creating this amplification effect without even knowing it. Again, I know that this is a cause that's near and dear to you. You didn't all of a sudden just decide to wake up. I want to talk a little bit about your role. You volunteer in in a lot of ways. And most specifically, you're uh, at your, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Can you pronounce the name of the school? I know that you Yeah, Castilea. And so talk to us a little bit about some of the initiatives. A lot of us are passion oriented, right? This started out as a passion project. And I think that as more and more women hear what other women are doing to, I guess, manifest that passion, execute around it, I would love for you to share your story. 
So I grew up in the Bay Area. Castilea is a middle and high school, all girls middle and high school based in Palo Alto, right by Stanford University. Mm. And I had the, the honor of going there starting in seventh grade all the way through 12th grade. And what I am now is I'm on there. I've been on for quite a few years is their executive alumni board. And as you can imagine, so Castilea is a mission at a very high level is women learning, women leading. And so it's all about women supporting women. And I, you know, my experience there, we didn't have clicks. It was very supportive. It was almost like a sisterhood. And that sisterhood translates into, and it's a school filled with incredible women, girls that then go on and do incredible things. So you can imagine the network, the alumni network that this school generates, and it's all women. So girls only school. And so as a board member of the alumni, the executive alumni board there, our mission is to connect alumni, so women supporting women, and for alumni to support girls in school. So it's almost like helping them on a path in a, in a society that's not necessarily built for women. This network of women is, I've never met an alumni or talked to alumni on a phone from Castilea that won't say, how can I help you? And so when I went out into the real world, into like the, the corporate world, I didn't find that naturally. It's you find your people along the way, but that wasn't the culture of our industry. And so I'm particularly passionate about celebrating other women's successes, connecting, be a connector for women. If I can support in any way, one of our mottos is that you as a woman find yourself with success or a promotion or something like grab a woman on either side and take them with you. So I'm uh, particularly passionate about creating that network of women supporting women in, in wealth management, because that's my little space that I play, but I hope that it starts to echo farther and farther. It's so incredible that you're providing that support, particularly for girls, particularly because that's what we needed earlier intervention. And there was just yeah. no way, occasionally we'd get somebody to come in and speak at the school. It was that what career day. And you felt like, okay, that was great. You were inspired, yeah. but there was no continuity to that. My daughter teaches in a middle school and I can tell you that it's such an impressionable age group where your life can pivot in so many directions if you just have the right mentor and the right support. We've heard it in the, the suite numerous, numerous times. 100%. And I was so excited with your podcast to provide a platform again for voices to be heard and different stories to be heard and different opportunities. And I, I probably would bet just from my experience with working with women and working with a all girls school is that if you connect or your listeners connect with any of your guests or with you, that reaching out, asking for support, asking for something, we, I, I guarantee a lot of us would do whatever we could to support you. So you're also building a powerful network, which is pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you for that. Women need to see the power of your example, Liz. So what a wonderful thing. Thank you so much for being here today. Gosh, thank you so much, Tina. Thank you for making such a welcoming place. I know you, you and I are friends and I am not the most, I don't jump at the opportunity to Right. Historically, I tend to prefer my comfort zone is behind the scenes. And I have had such a wonderful time telling stories and such a wonderful reaction from folks hearing stories about what I'm doing. Wait, and if the kids run past the screen, it's okay. And so I really appreciate you for inviting me on to creating a safe, fun, fun place to talk and to share. And hopefully with your listeners across the world, we're able to, to move the dial just a little bit and to give somebody the courage to do something or the time to reflect on their life or their organization is just such a cool movement to be part of. So thank you so much for having me. And we had a really cool discussion on March 24th. I wanted to mention that you were a guest on my panel for the Wealthies Smart uh, Tactics for Reputation and Connection, Digital Marketing Tips that Reach New Clients. I am going to also to put that in the podcast. I saw you moderate a panel just for F2 Strategy with Vanilla and all types of other business leaders. And I was blown away. There are women who definitely want to get in contact with you. Uh, so what, what's the best way for us to contact Liz Fritz? 
I think it might even be on my my uh, email signature, but I always say email or text is best. And the reason why is because I, if I'm not in a meeting, scheduled meeting with you, I most likely have a kid on my back or I'm in a board meeting or I'm running to drop off. And so email, it's all on my LinkedIn, reach out via email or text. And I love connecting. I love not only connecting with other women and other leaders in the space, but I also love connecting them with people that would be good for them. So that's just a passion. So, and, and Doug is the same as well. So if there's any way listeners, if there's any way we can support and advocate for folks, please don't hesitate to reach out. And if you want to talk horses too, that's great too. <laughs> that's generous. I want to ride horses with you, Liz. I know. I know. I think that'll be our next podcast, you know, like on the, in the saddle or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be really cool. I look forward yeah. to that. Uh, so one of the things that I'm really curious about, again, we've spent a lot of the last year reading and reflecting, and I wanted to know what your best book recommendation is for 2021. What I'm reading right now is Braiding Sweetgrass. It's a book by Indigenous Americans about kind of the wisdom of ancient plants. And so sometimes I like to disconnect and get out of my financial world and and just read about other perspectives. So that's something that I'm reading right now. And then I can't, going back to women, I can't recommend highly enough for those that haven't seen, uh, was it Reese Witherspoon? It's like uh, sunshine books or whatever. Reese Witherspoon has a, she's a woman that has taken her celebrity and, and done amazing things for women. So I actually follow her book club and it focuses and celebrates women authors. And so sometimes she has a great selection of like chick lit, you know, beach reads if you're in Florida, Tina, or things that talk about race and more difficult topics, which I'm particularly passionate about raising boys right now. And so I think I would say if you're looking for a book and you want something that's women focused and you don't know where to start, I would definitely check out that book club because that's my go-to. Wow. I'm going to put that in the show notes. That is so, so. Oh, it's Hello, Hello Sunshine is, is the book club. It's just very cool and it highlights the authors and gives them the spotlight. So it really, really resonates with similar mission that I have here at F2 and, and highlighting and putting spotlights on amazing women in our space. So that's my, that's my list for you, Tina. Download the app and it'll have all the books for you. <laughs> well, thank you, Liz. Thank you so much for being here in the suite. Thank you so much, Tina. I so appreciate it. I'm honored to be here with you. Thank you. listening to In The Suite, a podcast that shares amazing stories of women in business in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Our producers are Tina Powell and Kevin Hershorn. Our editor at large is Kevin Hershorn. Our content writers are Dimple Roshandani, Sarah Smirker, and Tina Powell. Our research and technical assistant is Sarah Smirker. In This Week podcast is sponsored by C-Suite Social Media, a high-performance marketing firm for RAAs and fintech companies in the wealth management industry. You can visit csuitesocialmedia.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening and subscribing to In The Suite. We've got listeners in 780 cities and 44 countries at the time of this recording. We are so grateful to you, especially for your five-star reviews. So this podcast was inspired by you. It's been created for you ladies. So thank you so, so much. And please let us know how you enjoyed this episode with the magnificent Liz Fritz and share your thoughts on LinkedIn and Twitter, hashtag in the suite. You can connect with Liz on LinkedIn and visit f2strategy.com. And always, if you would like to share the name of a rock star woman that we should interview in 2022, please send it to me at Tina in the suite podcast.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and subscribing to in the suite. We cannot wait for season three.